0: (laughs) Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very batty co-host, Faith. (laughs) Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. We are doing Horror Month here in the month of February on The Late Night Fright. Mystery Thriller Month was last month. This month is dedicated to horror films. Uh, Our show on Wednesday, we have a great one, Faith. We have Beetlejuice from director Tim Burton. Yesterday, we did the 2019 Joaquin Phoenix movie Joker, directed by Todd Phillips, Great film. Highly Mm -hmm. recommend it. So we thought because we're doing Michael Keaton on Wednesday and we did Joker on Monday, this would be a great time to do another Tim Burton Michael Keaton movie. Yeah,
1: A little movie
0: from 1989 (laughs) that made all of the money when it came out. Faith, what movie are we talking about today?
1: Batman.
0: Batman.
1: One of my favorites. This is a good one.
0: It's a good one. This is a really good one. So this movie, as we said, was directed by Mr. Tim Burton. He got this gig off of The success of Pee-Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice, which we'll be talking about tomorrow. This stars Jack Nicholson as the Joker, Michael Keaton as Batman... Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale. We have a great supporting cast here, too. We have Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon, Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon, Michael Goff as Alfred. Michael Goff is a veteran of the Hammer Horror films. Tim Burton's a huge fan of the Hammer Horror films. And Michael Goff would make several appearances throughout the rest of his career in Tim Burton films, wouldn't he? He, he mm-hmm. popped up in, in a couple of them. Uh, who else? Do we have a Robert Wool as Alexander Knox? Robert Wool, for me, is the standout performance in this movie. I think Robert Wool carries <laughs> the first act of this movie. Uh, he's a welcome presence in, in every scene that he's in. Uh, Jerry Hall plays Alicia, uh, boss Carl Grissom's girlfriend and Jack Napier's uh, side piece, as it is. And uh, Academy Award winner Jack Palance, he plays boss Carl Grissom. So great cast. Great production look here. The script is by Warren Scarin and Sam Hamm. This was a uh, project that had been gestating for a long time in Hollywood. We're going to talk a little bit about that history, but let's get right into it. Faith, 1989's Batman. This was a uh, cultural phenomenon when it came out. You weren't around for this. This movie was everywhere in 1989. You could not go anywhere without seeing the Batman uh, logo It was on everything from shoes and underwear to shampoo. (laughs) I mean, anything they could slap this Bat logo on, they were doing it. And for my money, the movie delivered. I was 10 years old when it came out, so of course it delivered. (laughs) But uh, what do you think of 1989's Batman?
1: I love this movie. And do you know why I love this movie? You probably do know why I love this There's a lot of reasons, but... What's the main reason you think about this movie? Is it
0: Michael Keaton as Batman?
1: That's one of them, but guess again. The music. <laughs> it's in there.
0: What is it, Faith? I, th- I
1: think it's the fact that Tim Burton brings you into this world, and you know how much I love Tim Burton's vision and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. It just, there's something, because I'm strange, inviting about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there there really is. Now we've talked about Batman Returns on this mm-hmm. on this show. This is one of our very first episodes from last mm-hmm. year. In fact, it was like maybe our fifth or sixth episode that we did. That's out there for mm-hmm. your consumption. It's a two parter. Actually, we went we went pretty into that movie. We went deep. We went deep. We went deep. That's, that's what, what she, she said. said. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That was batastic, Faith. Um, this movie. Uh, holds a very interesting place in movie history because up to this point, the biggest comic book film that we had was 1978's uh, Superman the Movie, directed by Richard Donner, starring Christopher Reeve. That's a movie I have a lot of affection for. Faith knows this, that I'm I'm a huge fan of that yes. movie. This movie really kind of delivers on the promise of Superman the Movie in that you can take source material from a comic book, treat it seriously, and make this kind of movie out of it because this was unheard of. And this is 31 years ago now. So right. this was unheard of that you could take a comic book movie and make a serious film. They do this all the time. Now comic book movies are a genre unto themselves. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing at the box office since, you know, sliced bread, right. I don't know if sliced bread was ever huge at the box <laughs> office, but
1: know, we're going
0: to, we're <laughs> going to pretend it was the other interesting thing here is that this movie in pub in the public consciousness. Now, in the '70s, the good people at DC, uh, some great writers and artists over there, uh, led by Mister Denny O'Neill, he was one of them. Uh, so the Comics Code, way back in the day, Batman was very dark when he started, as created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. We're talking, you know, film noir. They were influenced by, you know, the old uh, crime films, mm-hmm. the, the silent films, the horror films, all of these things. They were uh, heavily influenced by. And Batman reflected that. It was very dark. It was the antithesis to Superman. He premiered in 1939. DC said, we want something like Superman, but different. And this is what came out. And, you know, time has <laughs> borne that out. These two characters are, are you know, polar opposites right. in a lot of ways. You know, they fight for, fight for the common good, but their methods and ideologies <laughs> are a little different. So, but, um, but he was very dark when he started. Then the comics code came in and they changed things. So, the Golden Age of Batman, if you look at that, very influenced by film, and it's dark and, and gritty. Right. Uh, Silver Age Batman is kind of goofy because they couldn't do the 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 real hard-boiled stuff mm-hmm. with him. The Adam West TV show, which a lot of people have a great affection for, myself being included, I love that show. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of people's first introduction to Batman is the Adam West TV show. Right. That show is a perfect encapsulation of Silver Age Batman: the goofiness, the bright colors, the fun of it. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's fun. Right. That's it. I think the Adam West show is is great. I love the Adam West show. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, that's the public image of Batman: is this kind of goofy thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the 70s, they started getting back because they they kind of relaxed restrictions on the comic code. This is what gives us Ghost Rider over at Marvel and then some of the more out there Doctor Strange stuff. But Batman could get dark again. They started taking him back to his roots. That's where it starts. 1986, Frank Miller comes around with The Dark Knight Returns, one of the most influential, if not the most influential comic ever written about older Batman coming out of retirement. It's dark. It's it's. It's this encapsulation of what Batman is Mm -hmm. for, and it is still uh, the go-to influence for the cinematic universe for the most part. Um, They've done animated two animated films on the dark Knight returns, and they just can't seem to get away from it. It it casts this big (laughs) shadow over, over the Batman mythology. So 86, that happened. So the comic people were aware Batman was kind of getting back to his roots. Public wasn't aware of this. And then here comes this movie and they, they treated it seriously. And one of the things we're going to talk about this with the casting is they were worried about the guy playing Batman. He was going to turn this into the Adam West TV show. And Tim Burton's coming off of <laughs> Pee Wee's big adventure, Beetlejuice. They're worried. This is going to turn into this, this huge comedy, right. which it's, it's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much. Not so. What do you think? I, I know I asked you how you, you know, whether or not you like the movie, but, um, I think this movie, the further we get away from it, the more timeless it looks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This movie feels like something out of the 30s and 40s, doesn't it? Yeah, that, it does. are, am I off base no, with that? No,
1: not at all. No, not at all. No, I, was, I think that every time I watch it, and that made me think of, um, of a review that I read, and somebody was like, You know, I watched this as a kid, and the older I get and I watch it, this movie just doesn't hold up. And I'm like, Really? Like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: yeah there there's you know batman in the public consciousness now is different mm-hmm. but the thing that this movie does that i think you have to give it so much credit for is it takes the source material seriously and as wonderful as the superman movie is from 78 this movie from 89 Bat- tim burton's batman if we don't have this movie we don't have anything that we have these right. days with with comic book films this is those two movies for me are like Elvis and Buddy Holly. And then what yeah. we've got now with this explosion really kind of is the Beatles, you know, exactly. in, in a lot of ways. But um, I think I was watching this movie. I've seen I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie, watching it for the show. And it had been a, a minute since mm-hmm. I watched it. it. I think it holds up.
1: I think so. I think,
0: you know, the look of it, it doesn't feel like something out of the 80s. This mm-hmm. does not feel like an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. The production design by Anton Furst is it is great. It does everything it can do to establish this in its own world and it's consistent with its tone throughout you know right there's some great humor in it there's uh some great action but it's a crime story
1: exactly at its at its that's core exactly you know? what i was thinking while i was watching it earlier because like it's been a while for me too and so i'm sitting there watching this i'm like this is an old crime movie yeah that's what it is <laughs> yeah
0: and as much credit as the dark knight from 2008 got like oh this is a uh, you know, this is like heat with uh, with Batman. I think this does this, you know, right. you know, like like I said, it's like an old uh, like like an old film war. Yeah. You know, with the shadow. I mean, because it looks that way. You could have done this in black and white and it would have worked.
1: I know.
0: But unfortunately, you wouldn't have the colors of the Joker. Right. popping. <laughs> so um, let's get right into it. The. Uh, the casting decision here was very controversial at the time. There were something like 50,000 letters written to Warner Brothers when it was announced that Michael Keaton was going to be playing Batman. Now, to put Keaton in perspective, Keaton uh, came onto the scene with a movie that you and I both absolutely adore 1982's Night Shift, directed by Ron Howard. Then he uh, had another big hit with uh, 1983's Mr. Mom. He uh, had a little drought there for a couple of years and then he hit it big again with Beetlejuice. So he's on top of the world because of Beetlejuice and then it's announcing he's going to play Batman. People <laughs> lost their mind. Oh, for real, it was national news that Michael <laughs> Keaton was going to be playing Batman again because of the perception. Oh, the the, right. the diehard comic fans were going, wait, we just got Batman back. You know, mm-hmm. we got, it's dark again. You're going to make this Adam <laughs> West movie and you know, it's all going to go to hell. Yeah, for us. I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, and, he won this role over, let's just say, everybody in Hollywood, because I looked at the list of people they considered, and it was it was everybody. Yeah. I think the one that got closest was probably Willem Dafoe from what I was reading. He was kind of maybe the guy, but Tim Burton, it was suggested to Tim Burton, what about Michael Keaton? I mean, he had worked with him on Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. He was also in a movie from 1988 that I want to recommend to everybody. It was uh, written and directed by Glenn Gordon Caron, who created the Moonlighting TV show with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard. It's called Clean and Sober. He plays a stockbroker who checks in the rehab to to hide out, and he's an addict. This is one of the greatest performances by an actor I've ever seen, and it was overlooked. Nobody saw the movie. I've never seen it. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful movie with Morgan Freeman, Hmm. and it's about this guy getting clean. and And it's a really, really, really affecting movie, and he's wonderful, and it's a dramatic role for him. So.
1: Cool. I'll have to see that. So
0: the proof was out there that he wasn't just a funny guy. Right. You know. And uh but if you go back now knowing that he played Batman, you go back and look at Night Shift though and you look at you know Beetlejuice, you can see the elements are there. Right. And then Clean and Sober, of course, you, know, you can carry dramatic. And Keaton's Keaton's one of these guys. Uh what do you think of Keaton? We talked about oh. him a lot on the Batman Returns episode, but we're talking about him again now <laughs> a year later. So what do you think of uh of Keaton the actor? Not 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 Batman yet, but just
1: Oh, I love Keaton and yeah. everything I've seen him in. I love him. He's probably one of my favorites and he always has been. He's always just he seems very underrated, I feel like, in a way. Does that make any sense? I mean, I feel like he's he was
0: for a little while. He's I kind like of he's back.
1: Still, I, mean, I mean, he's I feel like he, he I don't know. I feel like it depends on who you're talking to. You know, yeah. but I've
0: never seen an actor who can do comedy and drama and everything in between the way he can. But I've never seen an actor just let it all hang out the way that he does. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anybody, and I've—I'm talking going all the way back, you know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, back into the '30s and '40s. I'm a fan of all the old movies, so I've got a pretty good appreciation for film history. This guy is such an anomaly. He—he he can do everything, and it's—you know—he can go crazy out the box and stay in the box, and he's wonderful. And if I was casting at that time, I don't know that Michael Keaton would have been. <laughs> the name for me to, right. to play batman <laughs> now i can't see him as anything other than batman you know right. um
1: he is batman
0: <laughs> he he is batman what is it about his batman that just you know um because again he's not the obvious choice and i know right. a lot of people now because you were just saying you know oh, this movie doesn't you know doesn't hold up because you you know there's this image of batman as like he's this perfect ninja type guy he's this uh you know, incredibly disciplined guy, you know, all the things that make up Batman, you know, now in the public consciousness, you know, and I will say this, I think Ben Affleck's body, the way he Mm -hmm. looked is probably for me closest to what Batman should look like. Keaton's not this physically intimidating guy. And Mm -hmm. I think it plays into the idea of he's a normal guy Mm -hmm. who's out there doing these things, you know, I think they're really playing that up with him. So there's an everyman quality because he's not incredibly Mm-mm. Billy's fit, you yeah. know, but
1: he's not overly muscular or anything yeah, or you not, know not not imposing or intimidating
0: <laughs> or anything like that. Um but he for me, he just inhabits the 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 crazy side of this. Yes. You exactly. know, for me he's the one who looks like he needs to dress up in the bat suit. He has to be in the bat suit. Yep. And and for me, he's always Batman. You oh, know yeah. and he said uh in an interview uh around the time he says I knew Bruce Wayne was the way in. So I mean and he always uh, – he seems to – on the list, it's like, oh, he's the best Batman, but his Bruce Wayne wasn't very good. And I kind of was hmm. watching this going, that's because he's not Bruce Wayne. He's always Batman in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> you know? What, were you noticing the way his, he's like, abs, quote-unquote, absent-minded because yes. he's <laughs> his mind is always on, yep. on being out there doing this thing yeah. that he's doing?
1: Yeah. I noticed that for sure. I, I feel like he just brings – I don't know. He brings something so much more. No offense to anybody else who's played Batman.
0: And I've liked, oh, I find yeah,
1: I mean, things to
0: like in everybody's right. performance. I Even just, George Clooney. Like there are things mm-hmm. that I like uh, in his Bruce Wayne portrayal. Right. There are things I like about Christian Bale's Batman. There, there are things I love about Ben Affleck's Batman. But for me, it always goes back to, well, here's the Keaton bar. Are we, are we? That, that's exactly we, what I was about to say. I feel like, we clearing that bar? Yeah,
1: I feel like when you watch these other people there's only so, you know, you like a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But I feel like Keaton just brings all of it because you like everything he's doing the whole entire time he's doing it. And that's why I always just, I mean, he's Batman.
0: And it's there in his eyes. It is. And, uh, you know, even that, that costume, which was so cumbersome, you know, he's, his physical presence in the costume is there. But for me, it's the voice, the, mm-hmm. the whisper of voice, the the intimidation that's in that. And uh, yeah. again, I. I think it's an inspired choice. I don't know that I ever would have (laughs) signed on for it. You know, it's like, really, Michael Keaton? Mr. Mom? Is that me?
1: If you had to pick somebody in that, you know, time period, who would you have picked besides Keaton?
0: I honestly don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You know, it's almost one of those things like Superman. You might want to go with an unknown as Batman. Right. You know? Yeah. So uh it's it's kind of interesting. And we were talking about the history of this production. I mean, this goes back to 78 with Superman. It was such a hit. And they said uh we we want to do Batman now because this is such a big thing and they had uh, Tom Mankowitz who was one of the writers and the creative consultant on that Superman movie and he wrote a treatment that was based on uh, strange apparitions which was a run in detective comics and that was the script that had floated around for a lot of years. And at one time, William Holden, Academy Award winner for a film called Stalag 17, was going to play Commissioner Gordon. Uh, David Niven was going to play uh, Alfred the Butler. Uh, Who was there was Jack Nicholson was a name that had been floating around for the Joker since 1980. So around shining time, you know, he was always, (laughs) you know, and as, as much animosity as there was towards Keaton, the the goodwill toward Jack Nicholson playing the Joker was always right. It was, it was completely, you know, opposite. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Jack, Jack is a Joker. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but like I said, the history there had been there and, uh, the script from what I know was kind of dark, but a little goofy and Tim Burton, you know, wanted that rewritten, mm-hmm. which, which they got and they got back to the roots of, of that character. But I think, I think Keaton playing loner Batman, you know, cause there's no Robin in this movie. He started off with no Robin, for you was two years three years uh two years without robin 39 to 41 yeah robin showed up i think in december of 41 and uh so no this for me he's batman and it's <laughs>
1: he
0: is are there guys who have looked more like batman yeah are there guys you know maybe possibly been a little better you know with some yeah but it's this is like <laughs> the whole yeah. thing you know? know it's it's all here this is who i measure batman against
1: i want so. him to play him again
0: you know, with the success of The Joker, I have heard that it's possible with the kind of else worlds as they're calling it, these one-offs, that we might get hmm. one more, you know, kind of a Dark Knight Returns, which is the go-to, I'd like as that. we were saying, property <laughs> right. with Batman. Um, I would love to see it. That would be a dream come true because I feel like we got <laughs> cheated out of that third I know. Michael Keaton movie. I really do feel like we got cheated on it. So, well, we talked about Batman and, uh, I, I think he's great though. Although, I mean, if you, if you watch this movie again, watch the little things he's doing when he's mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne, like he always he, well, kind of not there, but he's not <laughs> forgetful. He's no, cause he's Batman all the time. <laughs> so exactly. He, uh, his arch nemesis to Joker is played by three time Academy Award winner, Jack Nicholson. That was kind of a no brainer. They had flirted with, um, there were some names, though. John Lithgow was one of the guys considered. Uh, Robin Williams was considered for this, but uh, ultimately, I think they they made the right decision and put Jack in here. And uh, what did you think of, of Jack Nicholson? Now, Jack, uh, we talked about on the Shining episode uh, a little bit. Jack's one of my favorite actors. Jack, mm-hmm. Jack is Jack. Jack <laughs> has this thing. Um, a- as a kid watching this, it was like you know it, that was even at ten years old when I saw this for the first time. You kind of knew. You know, you just knew right. that it was like, this is right. You know, <laughs> the whole thing is right. But uh, what do you think of Jack as the Joker?
1: I love him. I, you know, I don't think he's the, um, I don't feel like he's as mentally unstable, you know, as, as maybe some other people. I think he's more. They
0: plan it a little bit. A
1: little bit. But he it's not over the top. I feel like this is more of like. Crime Lord cri- Joker. Exactly. Crime Joker. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I think. I, do you agree that I feel like it's. Um. It's kind of like Jack Torrance just kind of <laughs> floated on over here to this a world. A little bit.
0: There's a little <laughs> bit of that. Just a little bit. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's interesting you say this is Crime Joker because there's 80 years of history with this character. It was 50 years at this point. And there's so many different iterations of the Joker. There's Crime Boss Joker. You know, there's a kind of a mentally unstable Joker. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, so many different versions of this character. And. Every every gentleman who has, who has played this role, I, I feel like has brought some, even, I'm even going to mention Jared Leto here, has brought a little something at least different
1: right. to the table.
0: Right. Um,
1: yeah, because when you compare them, I really don't feel like you're comparing the same The same, same thing, yeah. Right.
0: I, I don't think, I think Jax maybe possibly gets a little forgotten these days because of the uh, iconic performance of Heath Ledger in 2008, right. and now with Joaquin Phoenix just knocking that out the park. but. Right it's all apples and oranges and and kumquats you know <laughs> it's it, cuz it's not the same idea right. behind exactly. each character and for this it's so perfect i think it's the perfect combination of crazy unhinged mm-hmm. mentally unbalanced guy with um with completely in control and, yeah. and there's a real terrifying aspect to him. There's a real comic book element mm-hmm. to him as grounded as some of this is that he brings the comic elements to it. And yeah. the thing about Nicholson in this too, is uh, I feel like you're watching a guy having, you know, the
1: time of his life, the time of his <laughs> life. That's the thing. You know, it's, it's all over, <laughs> it's all over him that it looks like he's having a blast.
0: And the thing about Jack is, you know, he's a serious actor mm-hmm. He has always been taken seriously as an actor. And he jumped headfirst into this. You know, it's like yeah. he, you know, he's shown <laughs> up on like the making of documentaries talking about, you know, this movie. And he really believed in it. And there's a story, I think it was like at the Oscars the year before this came out that uh, he was in the men's room or something talking to somebody. And somebody was kind of like, you're doing Batman. He's like, hey, man, this thing's going to be huge. <laughs> and it was the biggest movie of the year. So Jack, Jack was right. No, his his performance, I think. Really is just as you know, uh, you know, iconic as yeah. these other guys we talked yeah, about. I,
1: yeah, I think yeah, I, like you said, iconic. I read somebody was even reviewing it. You know, you could almost call this the Joker and have Batman in it, but he's so prominent in that in that role, you know, that you could have it could have been his movie almost.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Jack Jack's not going to get eaten up by the scenery, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, and I'm f- I'm fine was spotlighting the villain. I'm, I'm really right. okay with that. you know. And he really did that in the second movie quite mm-hmm. a bit. But it tells you so much about Batman. That's the thing. Right. These Burton movies, the, the villains are telling are informing you about the character of Batman, mm-hmm. which I think is really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, another Academy Award winner, Miss Kim Basinger, the Georgia Peach. She <laughs> plays Vicki Vale. She replaced Sean Young in this. Uh, Sean Young hurt her shoulder uh, practicing for a stunt That ended up not getting used in the movie. Irony of ironies. And this leads us to one of the great Hollywood stories. When Sean Young stormed the Warner Brothers lot. When they were making Batman Returns. In a cat suit. Trying to get an audition for Catwoman. (laughs) If you've never heard this story. Look it up. It's classic. And Tim Burton apparently hid behind his desk. (laughs) Like didn't want anything to do with it. And this is where the Sean Young is crazy uh, stories. Start around this time. But uh, Kim Basinger came in. Kind of last minute. And filled in as Vicky Vale, Kim Basinger. As we said, she's an Academy Award winner for 1997's L.A. Confidential. She uh, she was known for the films Nine and a Half Weeks and The Natural at this point. So I mean, she was she was known at this time. Right. Uh, she plays Vicky Vale. I think she adds a real softness to this, mm-hmm. and she's our way into the story. And let me say this: one of the things I like about this movie is this is not an origin story so much; it's a mystery. You're getting elements of that origin revealed right. to you throughout right. the the movie. It doesn't just come out and Mm-mm. give you the origin. Exactly. And so we're meeting Bruce Wayne and Batman through Vicki Vale and Alexander Knox, played by Robert Wool. And uh, I think she adds a real softness to this. I think she brings out some nice qualities in, in uh, Keaton's performance, mm-hmm. too, and in, in, in Batman. I think she's a... I don't feel like she's a damsel in distress. Uh, she's not as uh, balls to the wall as like Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, <laughs> but she, she doesn't f- uh, feel frail. And, and, but she's, there's a softness to her and, and a, and a femininity or, and I've always thought Kim Basinger was just, you know, Uber attractive, oh, yeah, you know, and especially, I mean, this is like the prime <laughs> oh, of, <yeah. laughs> of Kim Basinger. Um, she looks great in the, uh, you know, her dress. And we were talking about how timeless this looks even her in that kind of eighties white get up that they had her in at the, uh, the festival, uh, right. uh, uh, what is it? casino, casino night thing. Mm-hmm. They had her in even, even that works. I know. Yeah. You know, now, <laughs> what did you think of, uh, of Kim Basinger? And she's something, like I said, she's, so, I've always liked Kim Basinger. Yeah. And I think she's a little underrated too mm-hmm. because of, well, beautiful, you know, it's kind of like a beautiful woman can't be that good. You know, yeah. she's given some great performances.
1: Yeah. No, I love her here. I think that, um, I think they're a nice pairing together. Like you said, I think they bring something out of each other in a way, you know, I, I like her here and I don't think that I don't think I would notice that she was kind of a last minute, you know, replacement almost, you know, I feel like she fit really yeah. good here.
0: Yeah. And she uh she had a good time making this. She said she said she and Tim and uh and Jack and, and Michael then, you know, too were uh, they all kind of became a little gang and she feels like they're all like misfits and outsiders, <laughs> you know, and I, I can see that. I, yeah. can, I can totally see that. Um it's she's even more interesting to me when you, uh, a B her with Michelle Pfeiffer in the second movie. Mm-hmm. So, but that's that movie, but she's great. I, I think she's, she's a good love interest for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite performance in the movie is Robert wool as Alexander Knox. He <laughs> has some of the best lines in the movie. Yes, he, he really carries the first act of this movie too, mm-hmm. because he's the other, he's really even more so the in into this story because he gets Vicki Vale involved in it. Yeah. You know. Um, and he's uh, he's great. And I've always liked Robert Wool. He's in one of my favorite movies of all time, Bull Durham from nineteen eighty eight. He's <laughs> <laughs> and he's stand up comedian and he's 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 been great in a whole bunch of things since then. Uh, this is the biggest thing he ever did in his career. What did you think of Robert Wool? Because when I'm watching this again, thirty one years <laughs> removed from it, I'm going, This is he's this is the movie. He's <laughs> you yeah. I was thinking And I the same wish thing. <laughs> he had been in the sequel.
1: <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Yeah, he he was definitely needed in this movie. He's a nice addition to this movie. I like him.
0: Yeah, and he has all the great uh he has some of the great lines in it <laughs> too. You know, he must have been king of the wicker people. You yes. know, if you want me to pose nude, you're gonna need a real long lens, you know. <laughs> How about lunch? I eat like you know, these great little lines and yeah. he's and uh it's good performance, really. It really is. It really is. And, and I like that Knox turns out to be very brave at the end, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets his little hero moment, you know, yeah. chasing Vicki <laughs> Vale the entire time. You can't get Vicki Vale. he's dating Batman.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So. Uh, Michael Goff plays Alfred. Uh, this is one of my favorite Alfreds. Now, a lot of stink has been made about the fact that Alfred lets Vicki into the Batcave. Kevin Smith has this whole tirade about it. This is one of the things like, that'd be Alfred's last day of employment. Okay. <laughs> I'm willing to overlook it. You know, I'm not that tied into the Batman. About, I
1: was thinking about it a little bit. Yeah. Rewatching it earlier.
0: <laughs> I'm not that tied into the mythology, you know, that, right. you know, this is, this is what it is. You know, and they make light of it in the second movie too. I turn around, hey, there's Vic, you know. Um, what do you think of this Alfred? How, where's this Alfred rank on you? He
1: might be my favorite.
0: It's Michael Goff and Jeremy Irons for me. Yeah. I really like Jeremy Irons in the uh, Batman v Superman and mm-hmm. Justice League film. But... uh Michael Goff, there's a just these little things he's not exactly like Obi-Wan Kenobi or something like this but <laughs> right. he does impart these little bits of wisdom and you can tell how much they care about each other mm-hmm. without overplaying that. Yeah. You know, and he is very much a part of what's going on with that other life that he's leading. Right. So, it was great, you know, Michael Gough watching all the old Hammer movies. It's great to see him, you know, as an older man here and Tim Burton casting him, you know, was I think I think it's kind of an inspired choice. Yeah. So, um, any other cast members you would you would like to mention? I, I want to give special shout to uh, Tracy Walter as Bob the Goon. <laughs> He's one of my favorite parts of this, and Jack Palance as well. The, the cast is 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 so good.
1: It, re- it it's, really it's is. Really,
0: it's really great. So, uh, Batman movies. Uh, where does this uh, fall on your list of uh, of the Batman films? Oh,
1: that's tough. I think Batman Returns would be my favorite. I'm trying to think where I would place this after that. Hmm.
0: I I've been saying that eighty nine is probably the more entertaining movie. This mm-hmm. is more the crowd pleasing movie. This is the one you can go you just kind of put on a watch. Batman right. Returns is more challenging of the two, and I think it's the better film. Mm-hmm. But this one's more entertaining. And I think I think they're nice companion pieces. It's mm-hmm. it's like a uh, rubber soul and revolver by the Beatles. You know, it's <laughs> it's yeah, it's it it really blew me away how for me, at least, I know a lot of people. like we were talking, some people can't watch it now because maybe it's too cartoony because of, uh, you know, some of the stuff that they're doing, you know, in, in, in comic book movies. But uh, it really blew me away how well this stands up.
1: I know. I, know? I, I was reading that review and I'm just like, I, that kind of that kind of baffles me that <laughs> people think that I don't know, because I've watched it so many times and I never, ever have a thought that, you know it looks cheap or run down or old or whatever. You
0: know what I mean? No, this is, this this is top, top notch. Uh, Production by Anton first, which won an Academy award is so good. Mm -hmm. And it's just, this to me is Gotham city. You know, know. this, this just, it's (laughs) urban blight at its best, but beautiful. And, 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 uh, you know, kind of art deco. And again, going back to that thirties look, you know, which is so good. So there is an element of this that we have to talk about. That is maybe the most iconic element (laughs) From this film, and then is the score by Danny Elfman. Mm -hmm. It was not nominated for an Academy Award because there was um, there was some uh, rookie do. People thought that he didn't write it because he's untrained. You know, he he didn't go to conservatory. Mm -hmm. There's no way he could have written this. It was Shirley Walker who did the arranging that wrote this. No, Danny Elfman wrote this. Shirley Walker attested to that. (laughs) Everybody involved said yes, Elfman wrote this, and uh, Elfman scores since then have have attested. You know, I think he's proven them all wrong obviously but uh yes not nominated for an oscar if you can believe that one of the great scores of all time
1: shocking uh
0: what do you think of elfman's score here
1: oh my goodness it's it's brilliant
0: it carries the movie (laughs)
1: it really does
0: it it sets the tone so and that's one of the things i like about this movie it sets a tone early and it stays with that tone for the entire film Mm -hmm. it doesn't venture into comedic i mean there's humorous moments in it but it doesn't venture in those those high comedy moments you know it's it's dark. I, I, yeah, I think
1: it, it's dark, but there are moments of, like, this little bit of whimsical to it, and but not, like, yeah. happy whimsical, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that music, the first, you know, two and a half minutes, you know, of the credits mm-hmm. with this music, the march, is, is again, I go back to, you know, 1989, sitting in the movie theater, and, and this is the first thing that we hear, and it was, <laughs> you knew immediately what this was. Exactly. And so the, the music just sets the tone for this. I think it's one of the great scores. I think it's in the top, you know, on my list I would put it, you know, top twenty-five yeah. scores of all time.
1: Yeah, and I think it I think it kind of uh heightens it pairing it with Tim Burton's look on the movie. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, they work they it's work in concert. And he had to so fight good. for Danny Elfman. He fought for him on this movie and I'm so glad he did. <laughs> yeah, because they were gonna fire Elfman. The producers were wow. going to fire Elfman and uh, Tim Burton said, uh, you know, they're having a meeting and he said, "Play them the march." And he had he had the march, and they mm-hmm. played, and they went. This guy stays on the picture. This, I mean, it's so it's it's an amazing piece of music that march. I feel like
1: they, the music almost pulls you in.
0: Well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah I it, mean, I mean, cause from, sometimes
1: you know you watch a movie like, oh, this looks cool. Pulls you. Uh, no, that music just
0: from the Warner <laughs> Brothers logo, <laughs> it know. pulls you right in. You yeah. are in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think about that opening sequence where you're going? Because again, I'm going back to the first time I saw mm-hmm. it, and we had no. Idea. What are we looking at here? And then you right. see this, the, you know, the, the bat symbol. The symbol,
1: yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's totally still cool. I know it's still cool. <laughs> I
1: was thinking earlier when I was watching it again. I'm like, that's really cool.
0: <laughs> that music just matches that mood that they that they paint there. This this is really is great. Uh, Tim Burton, you can see the Burton elements in some of the design and all this. I feel mm-hmm. like. Uh, he's a little restrained here, for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, he would go full Burton on the second movie, right. and, you know. And uh, but no, he he completely, I think, was the right guy at this time oh, for yeah. this material because he took it seriously. And I think the other thing too, because he's not a comic book fan, he didn't feel beholden to any of that comic lore. It was we're gonna make this this mood, right? You know, I love it. I lo- I've loved this movie. <laughs> Like I said, since the summer of '89, <laughs> loved it for that long.
1: It's a great movie.
0: Really, it, yeah, it really is. Really is. I, I highly recommend watching this, game. especially like we said, we're doing Beetlejuice, and we just thought it'd be fun to take a look because we did Joker and kind of bridge the gap mm-hmm. between them. And uh, I don't know that this is Tim Burton one of Tim Burton's best movies, but I mean, it's it's a, it's a pure Burton experience but it's oh, yeah. it's it's a damn fine movie you know
1: <laughs> it really is
0: i like i said I'm, I'm just really awed at how well this stands stands up in the test of time and, and time i think i feel like it's been very kind to it mm-hmm. you know i know there are a lot out there that will disagree with me but uh it, it it's feels crazy. yeah <laughs> it, it just it feels like you know i don't want to say it feels like a new movie but it feels like an old movie it's, it's it, classic it hollywood mm-hmm. you know
1: it really does
0: which is ironic because it was filmed in London. <laughs> so, uh, one quick question: Michael Keaton was going through a divorce at this time, mm-hmm. and he was away from his uh, son, and he was still close with his ex-wife, but he was away from family and friends. He's by himself over in London, you know, right. make, making this movie. and He said he'd wander around the sets and spend a lot of time alone. Uh, do you feel that plays into the performance that we get here? Do you, do you feel like he was he so. was drawn from that? Because I feel. When I heard that, I went. That makes a lot of sense. It makes
1: it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there are a lot of moments where you're looking at him, you know, throughout the movie, and you're like, man, what is he feeling? You know,
0: <laughs> this is the most isolated I've ever felt Bruce Wayne in a film. Mm-hmm. I was really noticing how how just alone yeah. he feels and lonely.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Batman '89, great film. Great film. Great film. I, th- I think it stands up. So, you have anything you'd like to add about uh, any of the cast or? Anything not that
1: like I can that. think of. No. But I love this movie.
0: <laughs> I do too. And be sure to check out our Batman Returns episode. It's uh two parts and uh we we really enjoy that one. It's one of my favorite movies of all time and my favorite Batman movie because of uh because the villains say so much about Batman in that film and uh, we go through it it's it's, uh, it was one of our very first episodes and uh, it's one of my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. that we've done so check that out check out our Joker episode and be sure to check out our Beetlejuice episode that will be coming out tomorrow Faith uh, we should tell them to keep what on a leash what should what should they keep Hmm. on a leash
1: hmm 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 I don't know
0: they should keep their uh, keep their tortured childhood on a leash let's tell them to keep their bat on a leash you ready <laughs> sure. i'm dan and i'm faith we want you to keep, keep your, your bat, bat on, on a, a leash. leash we'll see you on the other side